oh my god consent is the sexiest shit because then you're telling me what the uh parameters are of the shit that i can do to you you know what's really not sexy someone saying no stop don't fucking do that shit that's really not sexy Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber of On the Horizon, which unlocks two bonus episodes on the 8th and 22nd of each month with tons of extra exclusive footage from ourselves and our guests. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Tris.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It is free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language, to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel encouraged and supported instead of policed. Hello, and welcome back to On the Horizon podcast. Yeah, we have a special fun episode. We do, we do. This episode is all about kink, and we brought back one of our faves, uh, King Noir, to discuss as a pro dom um, and in his education space in terms of kink, and then also Mistress Kai. Yeah, yeah, as a Lifestyle kinkster. So yeah, it was really, really fun to talk to them. Um, We talked about uh, what drives people to BDSM. Mm -hmm. We talked about um, the healing that takes place in kink. Like so many things. So many things. A lot about uh, kind of, I mean, obviously we're teaching the mainstream what they can learn from sex workers. And this episode in particular has a lot of good information because so many mainstream vanilla people see things like in the media like 50 shades of gray or bondage mm-hmm. on netflix and they want to explore these spaces but might not have the vocabulary or yeah. definitely don't have the education on like how not to hurt your partner yeah um, because these things look great in movies but in practice there's a lot more to it so yeah. talking about that was really important yeah so we can actually just go to them I as think, the experts yeah let's talk to the experts and yeah. jump right in This segment of today's episode is sponsored by Sex.com, one of the absolute best content creator platforms out there. It looks better than any other, has a higher level of security than any other, and boasts over 3 million unique visitors a day scrolling through viral looped adult short form videos. Sex.com is like, well, (laughs) sex itself. A lot of people do it. Some just do it much, much better than the others. Sex.com. If you're going to do it, do it right. 
King Noir is an accomplished writer, artist, MC, and global activist using the proceeds from his album, Music Is My Weapon, to build a school, freshwater well, and medical clinic in Guinea-Bissau, West Africa. Welcome to On the Horizon, King. We're happy to have you back. Yes, absolutely. It's good to be back. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We are talking today about kinks and fetishes, and you are a master fetish trainer. So we want to hear all about that, how you got into that and what you do. Yes. You want to start by maybe introducing people who didn't listen to season one well enough and uh, don't know you. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, world? My name is King Noir. I am co-owner of Royal Fetish Films, master fetish trainer, adult educator, and entertainer, and... The soul and the stroke overall whole bag was good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. As the intro gets better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, what do you uh, tell us a little bit about what your work looks like, particularly in the realm of like BDSM and kink and fetish? Okay. Well, for me, fetishes are something that we all have. Mm-hmm. It's just I think like the word itself has become kind of taboo or mm. is just misunderstood yeah. with most people. So I like to show that there are shit as, as different as people can be mm-hmm. fetishes are just as, as unique and, and, mm-hmm. and interesting and extraordinary. And I love to show that through my work. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I might do something that is one particular fetish, but it can be flipped so many different ways because everybody has a different way of engaging in particular Mm -hmm. fetishes. So just because you like to get spanked one way doesn't mean the next person likes to get spanked that way as well. So, you know, one one level of it is like introducing people to just the idea of recognizing what their own fetishes are and then just like really getting out there and exploring because that's what I love to do. Yeah. I know Jesse was wondering before we got on air what your favorite fetish is. So we need to get that question out of the way. <laughs> my my favorite fetish, it's hard to say a favorite, but but definitely I think the one that, that speaks most to my my soul is I'm an exhibitionist. Mm. I love I love to be watched. It's it's a turn on to be watched mm-hmm. sexually and otherwise. So everybody that's out there watching us right now. Thank you. <laughs> You're into, into that. It. I'm into it so much. That's great. Yeah. Yes. Exhibitionism is an interesting one because you could be doing like anything and yeah. it's like heightened by the fact that you're being watched. Right. Does, is that how you feel about it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and the thing is, so besides just doing, you know, the adult stuff, you know, I'm also a musician and a performer mm-hmm. and there's no high that I've ever experienced that comes as close to an orgasm as being on stage. Mm, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. mostly if like the people are vibing with you and, and feeling it and all of that, then, you know, so imagine all the times I've done live sex shows and how like mind blowing that is for me. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's, it's a really um, pleasurable experience. And I, and I think that it also has to do with just the idea that everybody's joining in on this experience that makes it even much more heightened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first went into camming like years and years ago, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about like the cam room and Mm -hmm. cam shows is how social that experience is. Like you have people, you know, you're obviously doing your thing, but then like in the cam room, you have people like fans talking to each other about what they like about your show. And then like, um, you know, kind of egging you on and getting stuff going. And it's interesting because I feel like 
in our culture now, like there isn't a ton of social sex spaces. You know, there's like dungeons and there's swinger clubs, but it's hard to get that sort of like experience that is like a communal experience, like what you're talking about. Especially sexually. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's like interesting that there's these like pockets where you can have that sort of um, communal experience where other people are vibing with you, watching what you're doing. You're getting like kind of a reciprocal feedback. Um, energy but um that's I'm- a good point is the energy aspect because when you were talking about being on stage my i have a, a history not like a not like a king noir history but i i did choir growing up and i did theater and like nice. that was actually my stage experience but there's no better high than like the applause or the moment after music stops and everyone's silent before the applause and that it's electric and it's palatable yeah. and it's it's unlike something anything else so when you said that i was like oh i can that helps me comprehend the experience of exhibition exhibitionism in that mm-hmm. way because i'm like oh i know that i know what that's like yeah, and, and for me, it's heightened because, like, all of my exhibitionist kinks and fetishes are all consensual. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, so knowing that those other people want to be there, want to yeah. engage, want to see, want to be a part of that experience, just, like, is is so much more for the buildup. Because, like, you know, when somebody yeah. comes to a performance, they're coming there with some sort of expectation. Yeah. So they mm-hmm. already have that buildup inside of them. So it's like, are you going to meet and exceed their expectations? Yeah. And how good they feel from that? Oh, that shit is a fucking turn off. <laughs> and, it, and it's really, like, mm-hmm. whether it's an audience of thousands of people or it's an audience of one, like, when I do, yeah. you know, cuckolding experiences for people and, and yeah. You know, they're, you know, watching me please their wife in a way they never thought possible. Yeah. 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 I think all of that is like really interesting. I, um, I got most of my like kink education on the, on the job when I started doing night flirt because, uh, night flirt is very like kink and fetish heavy. And while I don't consider myself like Well, I don't brand myself as a dom. Like, you can't really do that kind of work without doing tons of, like, dom work. Um, I mean, you could, I guess, but, like, it would cut you off to, like, such a huge part of the market, you know? And so um, I found that, like, just going into that um, and being open to hearing, like, everybody's experiences and what they were, like, turned on by, that it was, like, very eye-opening, but also it helped me to, like get in touch with things that like turn yeah. me on that I like didn't expect would turn me on. Cause I wasn't like exposed to them before. Yeah. I w- they weren't yeah. even like on my radar. And um, so for me, like working in the sex industry, like helped open like all of that up, but you started really young in the sex industry. So I was wondering if you felt like you came into this, like with like being kinky or, or if you kind of like learned along the way. I- I've definitely always been kinky. You know, uh, back when I was younger, I was already tying people up and taking pictures and (laughs) being involved in group experiences and all that Mm -hmm. kind of shit. So um, when I got into doing this professionally, like I kind of I was already open to it. I just didn't know there was names for everything. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, definitely I knew like what like people be like yo that's some kinky shit like you would hear that but I didn't know you know exhibitionism was a thing I didn't know you know bondage or BDSM or what it stood for anything like that and for me I got on the job training yeah because for me my my initial experience in BDSM and 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 dom work 
was from people that were hiring me for cuckolding experiences. And Mm -hmm. they'd just be like, okay, this is what I'm into. Oh, okay. You know, I've never done that before. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, this is how you can do the shit to me in a safe way. Yeah. You know, so it was like, you know, a lot of people that were topping from the bottom in in certain experiences. But I was such a young person in the industry. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is great. Like, I'm getting paid to learn right now. You know, so like if somebody is is teaching me how to tie them up or or to use uh, some kind of tools on them or or use hot wax and all this different shit, you know, they're telling me, okay, you got to keep it this distance away from me when you drip the hot wax or, Mm -hmm. you know, like all these things. So I was I was literally learning from people how to treat their bodies, which then led me into doing more research and studying and either going to classes or hiring people that were experts in their in their fields to teach yeah. me how to do this shit yeah it's yeah. A, a side, funny side story because you mentioned hot wax um <laughs> i've definitely burned myself with hot wax by myself during solo shows and also there is a clip out there you guys can go looking for it where i was trying to be sexy with a hot wax candlestick and i licked Ooh. it and then it wouldn't light and i'm just sitting there <laughs> subscribe to my only fans for that fucking clip um i will give it to you for free because it's humiliating but um no i like that because we're building this season and some so much of what you said is so relevant to this topic because we are building this season around what sex workers can teach you know non-sex workers or or people who are outside our space about x topic and kink is a big one because there's so much Mm -hmm. I guess kink is kind of coming to the mainstream a little bit lately with like the 50 shades and the the bondage series on Netflix and like these little mainstream mm-hmm. leaks of what their perspective of kink is. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, obviously consent is kind of a more obvious one, but that and whatever else comes to mind that you think sex workers could really teach across, you know, the boundaries of mainstream that should be learned for people who are listening. What do they get wrong? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, not um, licking a candle before you light it. If you're going to be in that sexy moment with your partner, that's some important shit to know. And I'm also I was thinking like, yo, also, like if you have one of those fake birthday candles, that's mad hard to blow out and shit, uh-huh. like how that would be at the end of a set. Like, <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, and, and it's funny because actually I, I used to do um, when I used to strip, I used to do live shows with candles as well. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely times with candles where, you know, when my beard was longer, like I might have been too close and you see like little smoke come off the show. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's yeah. like when you're when you're a performer and you just rocking on stage, that's something that I think sex workers can teach everybody, especially other performers, is like how to run. Keep going. Like when yeah. you're in the middle of a performance, you got to keep going. You got to keep rocking. That's a good yeah. life life lesson. But I think when it comes to kink. There are so many different kinks and each one of those kinks can teach you something. You yeah. know, I think um, whenever I talk to people about impact play, for example, mm-hmm. you know, we have to go through the whole explanation of how to do this in a safe way. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get some really important uh, biological information, you know, on where not to strike, you know, yeah. you know, like even for people who aren't trying to use floggers or you know, uh, paddles and things like that. If you're spanking your partner, you don't want to spank your partner in the kidney. You know what I'm saying? That's that's yeah. not right. You know, or on yeah. the spine or things like that. Um, when I think about uh, people who are riggers or that work with rope, they know a lot about muscles and joints and all of that mm-hmm. to make sure and, and uh, blood flow to yeah. make sure that they're not injuring people when they're tying them up or yeah. people who, who do knife play and things like that or, or needle play. 
that have mm-hmm. to know all these precautions to, to keep the body safe. So I think in that in that level is super important. Um, and then just in the, the aspect of kink is foreplay. So no matter what your level of foreplay is or, or your interest in foreplay, there is never a time when foreplay is not uh, important, not usable. You know what I'm saying? It's like, even if, even if you're trying to have a quickie, hopefully you had enough foreplay with your uh, conversation that led mm-hmm. up to that situation mm-hmm. that you're, you're, you're there and you're in a moment. And, and you already yeah. mentioned consent, which is the most important key of everything. And mm-hmm. also, I would say as a dom, I have to pay so much attention to my submissive's body from their breathing to their body language to what we what it is we're working with and how their body reacts to those things. I think um, it teaches you to be a better lover, whether you're yeah. a, a bottom, a top, sub, dom, switch, whatever. It teaches you to be a better lover. How do you yeah. think you become like I mean, because what you're what you're describing feels to me like um attunement like attunement to another person mm-hmm. so what sort of things do you do or how have you learned to be like more attuned to another person sync. and more in sync with them well if i'm working with somebody in the in the bdsm fashion you know i, I always start there's always a line of questioning that we're going to start with mm-hmm. you know i need to know really basic information about you to know if we should even proceed with the things that we're going to do to make sure that it's safe yeah. You know, you might you might be like, hey, I want to be in a dungeon with a strobe light, but I have epilepsy. Like, no, we can't we can't do those two things together. So, you know, right. what what now can we do instead that mm-hmm. will still give you this sensation that you want, but will keep you keep you healthy and keep you safe? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, too, people don't get in situations with their partners where they're even getting to the point where they're like, are you on any drugs or medication that might cause some kind of complication mm-hmm. to the shit we about to do. Yeah. You know, so that that's very important. And I, and I do understand that those might be some really prying questions to some people, but you know, if you are on uh, crystal meth, I don't know if we're going to be able to proceed with our session right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like a whole yeah. bunch of different things to make sure that we can keep each other safe. Um, and then from there, when we do learn each other more, I'm going to pay attention to, What's like your baseline of your breathing? What's your baseline temperature? Mm. You know, um, do you have any injuries that I need to know about in your body if I'm going to put you in a particular position for a certain amount of time? Mm -hmm. Uh, So then when we get to the point when we're using all these fun items and doing all this Mm -hmm. wild stuff, I know what to look for if all of a sudden your knee buckles or if you're hyperventilating or if you, if you're an asthmatic and you're, and you're having trouble breathing, like, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's so many factors that put into it that asking these questions and paying attention to your partner in these ways allows you to really be like, okay, well now I know I can push certain limits with you because I know what your, your baseline is. I know what your capacity is and I know what limits you're looking to excel in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that seems so important. I mean, um, we were talking about this recently. Um, Melrose and I were talking about this, but like, there's this um, feeling um, among a lot of people outside of um, outside of our circles, I would say that like, asking questions or like is is not sexy or the impression that (laughs) consent conversations can't be sexy or foreplay or or what have you. What are your thoughts on that? 
oh my God, consent is the sexiest shit. Cause then you're telling me what the uh, parameters are of the shit that I can do to you. Mm-hmm. You know, what's really not sexy. Someone saying, no, stop. Don't fucking do that shit. That's yeah, really yeah. not sexy. <laughs> That's extremely not sexy. Um, you know, yeah. and, and I think people who try to tell me that consent isn't sexy to me are like, you know, you're, you're definitely like borderline abuser out there mm-hmm. because you don't care what somebody's limits are. Yeah. You don't care to ask them, you know? So it's like, you're setting yourself up for a situation where you're going to run into somebody who's like, mm-hmm. Oh, well you, you didn't tell me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely think for everybody to protect yourselves, make consent sexy, find a way to ask sexy ass questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it really does lend itself to, like true openness mm-hmm. when you know, like if like if I was to tell you, you know, I really enjoy getting choked. And then I show you the proper way to choke me. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you could choke the shit out of me yeah. because you know the right way to do it. Yeah. But, right. you know, I would also say if somebody just randomly chokes me out of nowhere, I don't like that shit because I didn't yeah. give you the consent to do it. Yeah. So. You know, I, I, I think that's where the sexiness lies in it, because if, if you know, if y'all just message me like I love to be choked this way, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shit, that's sexy as fuck. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm licking my <laughs> lips off of that shit. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I can't see where consent and conversation about consent isn't sexy. I think that's just like people who are unable to have those kind of conversations. Yeah. Who are like uncomfortable by talking about sex or by yeah. talking about their own desires because, yeah. and that's something that's interesting. I want to ask you about too, is that um, we were talking to another guest about like how so much of the work, um, so much of our work as sex workers is trying to like pull out of our clients, yeah. like what their desires are because they can't articulate, they can't articulate that. Articulating it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if you could like speak to, what you do to um, make people to set the stage for people to be able to like share their desires for them to be able to get to the point where they're like, I really want you to choke me and I want you to do it this way or whatever it is that they What's that want. process like. Yeah. Well, one, one of those is having these conversations mm-hmm. because when somebody knows that they're safe to say, no, I don't like that. Or no, that doesn't interest me. Or fuck yeah, that's my shit right there. Please yeah. do it twice. You know what I'm saying? Like those those kind of conversations let people know that they're safe. Yeah. You know, so that's number one. Um, we, uh, for Royal Fetish, we actually have on jsjlinks.com something we call the fetish survey or the fetish chart. That's just mm-hmm. like a link that has just hundreds and hundreds of different fetishes. Mm-hmm. You can write yes, no, or maybe. And before sessions, I send that out. I, I send that out before I shoot with people as well. Yeah. Because for me, it's like now I'm learning what it is that you're open to. Not to say that we have to do all this shit because some things yeah. might not go together. But, you know, now I'm learning like for a session, what what works uh, what for, or for filming, what works. And I think the more consistent that you are mm-hmm. with respecting people's boundaries, respecting their consent, and showing interest in understanding what it is that that their desires are, Mm -hmm. they open up to more as time goes. You know, everybody has to work at their own pace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you think that we didn't ask about that would be useful to non-sex workers to know about kink? 
I think it's important to know that all of us have fetishes. So even those of us who are sitting there that are just like, I don't have any fetishes. I'm not interested in being mummified or spanked or any of these other things. Think about what it is that you are attracted to. You know, basically a fetish is defined as anything that turns us on that is not directly related to procreation. Mm -hmm. So when I when I talk to like some of my friends, like "Ah, I'm not into all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, but you're always saying how much you're attracted to a woman's hips or a woman's ass. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a objectification. That's body yeah. worship. That's, yeah. that's a specific part of a person's body. So if you're always like, Ooh, I like a man with some, some strong shoulders and a strong mm-hmm. back or something like that, that, that is a fetish. That is something yeah. that turns you on because you can't get his back pregnant. Right. So that I know of. But so like, you know, these these things are something we all have. So I think it's also important to yeah. know that you don't have to yuck somebody else's yum. Yeah. Yes. Um, we always say as long as it involves consenting adults mm-hmm. and you leave people who say no children and animals out of that shit. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and enjoy it. And, and I think it's it's very important to be able to understand that everybody has different things that turn them on. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're going about it in, in a, in a, in the ways that I just mentioned, you know, it's Gucci, like enjoy and yeah. find new ways and creative ways to, to live your life uh, orgasmically. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what a great note to end on. Yeah. Okay. Well, for those listening who aren't already Googling you, uh, where can they find your work and follow you? You can find me on KingNoirXXX.com, RoyalFetishXXX.com, at KingNoir on OnlyFans, that's K-I-N-G-N-O-I-R-E, at KingNoir on Twitter, the real King Noir on Instagram, but I have definitely shadow banned from all those accounts. So definitely, uh, you know, Google me first, not from your work computer, but chances are your boss um, comes to my shit too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love that. All right, King, thank you for coming on with us again. We'll talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Today's episode is sponsored by ePlay, an adult live streaming platform creating an online ecosystem for creators to engage with their fans that's easy, exciting, and empowering. At ePlay, you earn 80% of revenue on everything from live streaming to private messages with your fans to your subclub membership fan site. ePlay even allows you to earn money while you sleep with offline tips. Do what makes you excited, take control of your business, content, voice, and freedom as a creator consider joining ePlay today. Mistress Kay has been in the adult scene for more than 35 years. She started as a brothel madam at a young age and now is a highly regarded and respected kink specialist and educator. Hey, welcome Mistress Kay to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you both? Doing We're well. good. Doing well. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Okay. I'm really bad at this. Um, so I'm a lifestyle kinkster. I'm a kink educator. I've been in the lifestyle decades. Um, pretty much have seen it all for the most part. I also co-host a podcast with Jay Copita from Why Not on Why Not Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm so bad about buying myself. 
I read on your website and I know you do like kink education and I was wondering mm -hmm. if you could kind of start with like what you think um, uh, sex workers and maybe like people who are like pro doms or pro subs like can bring to like kink spaces um, a value. So are you wondering what mainstream folks can learn from, from sex work, professional yeah. Yeah. from sex work? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, one of the biggest things I enjoy about being um, front and center in, at the Exotica Dungeon is that um, I have the opportunity to talk to so many regular folks, you know, vanilla mm -hmm. folks. Mm -hmm. And what was happening, I noticed the first year of Exotica was that I would be like, come on, you know, we have, we give you a little education, a little this, a little that. And they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not into pain. And I heard it over and over and over and over and over mm -hmm. again. Um, or I don't want you to make me do something I don't want to do. And it was this running thread. And I thought, this is such a good opportunity to take that stigma away. Mm -hmm. That yeah. it's not about pain. It's not solely about pain. Sure, that's, I, I think that's probably like 5% of what's under the yeah. kink umbrella. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's that's sort of one of the things that um, I would like mainstream folks to know about kink. And the, the second thing mm -hmm. I want them to know is that nothing, like nothing occur, occurs without lengthy negotiations and very explicit Mm -hmm. consent like it's it's just like talked to death yeah. i've personally never had vanilla relationships that went that deep into communication and i probably will never have a vanilla relationship again mm -hmm. just solely based on that that with kink you come to the table and i come to the table we talk about all the things that we want need and desire and we talk it to death and what our boundaries are that's what I want. I mm -hmm. think all healthy yeah. relationships should have that. So that's that's one of the bigger things yeah. I think that um, people can learn from kink kinksters, especially like professional kinksters, because it's what we do yeah. day in, day out, nonstop. Right. I know there's some tension between like the pro community and the non-pros like within BDSM spaces. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about like why you think that exists and what could be done to kind of like bridge some of that stuff, that, that gap. Yeah. That's been going on for a long time. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a hierarchy a little bit like, um, mm -hmm. and uh, <sighs> a lot of lifestylers, you know, they're purists, this is their lifestyle. This is, you know, what they live and breathe and who they are. And they're in these, oftentimes they're in these relationships, um, yeah. these power exchange relationships. Mm -hmm. And they see professional domination. Not so much now. Um, it was, believe me, it was worse 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, where it's like, kink is being exploited which is ridiculous um yeah and i see that a lot with um in within the femdom community where mm -hmm. they don't want pro doms coming to you know femdom events because they feel okay. like the pro, the pro doms are there to like troll for submissives yeah uh, yep and you know, I know that does occur. It occurs at munches and things like that. It occurs. But I don't think that you should stigmatize an entire 
because I'm both like I'm a lifestyler first and mm-hmm. I just, I loved it so much over the years. I parlayed it into professional work and mm-hmm. that's happening more and more. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm in Philadelphia and we're pretty progressive and mm-hmm. everybody's welcoming of that. That's not the case everywhere. Um, yeah. But what I'm seeing more and more is because there are more and more pro-doms, it's just sort of, even with fat life, it's just sort of saturating the community and mm. they're almost forced, like the lifestylers, they're almost forced not to stand in judgment anymore because they have to get to know these people as human beings. Mm, and mm-hmm. as you know, that always breaks down a lot of stuff anyway. Yeah, right. So yeah. I, I I think that's sort of the key. Um you know, we're supposed to be a very welcoming community. That behavior should not be going on. You shouldn't be standing in judgment if somebody wants to get paid for this type of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is a little bit less that I've seen um, in the past 10 years. Like people are lightening mm-hmm. up. But are you guys seeing it where you're at? I just hear a lot about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a lifestyler. I don't like I'm not in BDSM communities, but like. I have a lot of friends who are mm-hmm. and they report that. And I've also heard from like pro doms that I know who've said that they've had like issues or like hit up against that. That conflict. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's occurring. I think it's occurring less. I really wish it didn't occur at all because I mean, I know mm-hmm. it's very idealistic, but I mean, we're already so very marginalized and yeah. Uh, right. I, the people that are doing this, I wish I could take them into a time capsule 15 years ago and be like, mm-hmm. well, look what we had to fucking deal with 15 years ago. Like mm-hmm. we were deep shadows. Everything was so private. You know, you weren't saying on social media, yeah. oh, we're having this party and it's going to be here. That's yeah. not the way it was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> people, are, people are really fortunate now that, you know. Fifty Shades of Grey did that for the community as, mm-hmm. as bad as that book is. It did yeah, that for the yeah. community. I yeah, wish people find, could see how very fortunate they are. Yeah. Do you find, um, it's interesting that you bring that up. Do you find that, or do you believe that Fifty Shades is like a net good in that regard? I mean, I know most people are critical of the actual content, but like, do you feel like it did a lot of good for the community? Oh, 100% because... Um, and, you know, a lot of people will still balk about that position. Mm-hmm. But for me, again, somebody who had to operate, look, I know a woman who lost her house, lost her kids just because she wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. sexual whatsoever. It was strictly domination, strictly power yeah. exchange. Um, yeah. She lost everything. And that was only 15 probably 15 years ago um so i was glad when 50 shades came out because it did pull us out of sort of the cd shadows mainstream Mm -hmm. was talking about it you know it gave people permission to say oh i'm going to take a peek over here or yeah yeah Mm -hmm. let me let me drop it to my partner a little bit you know, mm-hmm. because everybody's talking about Fifty Shades that I might be a little bit interested. So it did, you know, the content of the book, but what it did yeah. for our community, um, all, even with all the misrepresentations in the book, what it did for the community mm-hmm. was that it got 
people talking. And then, honest to goodness, so much has changed. What's it been like nine or so years, I think, since the book came out? Probably. I can't Um, remember the year that it went out, came out. But yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that you just said that I was wondering if you could uh, maybe talk about more specifically is you said, you know, that people started to like drop to their partner or something. If you were, if you had somebody come to you as like a kink educator who said like, I really want to incorporate some like kink or some BDSM into my relationship. I don't know how, like what kind of advice would you give them for like opening up those conversations? Oh, I get this so much. My first (laughs) question always in that is how does your partner feel? Where do you, mm-hmm. What do you think your partner thinks? Because I get mm-hmm. approached a lot by cis men with the sentence, how do I get my wife to? to do right. Yeah. And my, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. my response is, well, you don't get her to do anything. <laughs> right. I know. So, I dealt um, a lot with that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you can't do anything without their consent. You certainly can't do anything underhanded or like you're trying to sneak mm-hmm. either your way into getting them to engage with you. Right. So, um that's where I always start is mm-hmm. what about your partner? Have yeah. they given you any indication? Have they not? And then saying, okay, you need to sit down and talk to them. And it's kind of mm-hmm. scary to talk about these vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a way that I could say to people, your partner, and, and for them to believe it, your partner wants to make you happy. Your partner wants you to feel good. And I, I mm-hmm. said those things and sometimes their own like insecurities or fears of rejection or, mm-hmm. um, you know, accessing those vulnerabilities, talk them out of it. Yeah. And, and, and that's the biggest thing I always say is your partner wants to make you happy. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys would agree, right? You want to make your partner happy. Yeah, you, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I and I would also like to have the like opportunity to like, Mm -hmm. be able to do that. Because I've had, I've had a lot of clients who've said really similar things to me, or they've said, I want to explore this with you, because I can't do this with my partner. And like, I don't want to turn away like, business, but I do want people to be happy in their lives, you know, and I'm like, but what if you talk to her? What if you gave her the opportunity to say yes? Because a lot of times their own like fear um, and discomfort and discomfort like prevents them from like even being able to talk about that to even see like if that's something that their partner would be open to. And that seems kind of sad because it forecloses the possibility of like having a robust um, and exciting dynamic between with the person that you are in love with. Yeah. That's my experience as well. It's, uh, it's almost like I can't explore this my way. I'm like, well, have you tried? They're usually like, no, I can't have that conversation. Like, well, why not (laughs) talk about what other things you need? You need milk in the house. You talk about needs, right? So like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, But I've also had a, a great experience in terms of like, my fans coming to me to explore some kind yeah. of kink or fetish and then getting the confidence up to then take that to their partner. Yeah. Maybe they want like this kind of yeah. test run or, or to learn how to communicate it or articulate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really valid as well. You know, um, I, I'm going to say a good 70% of the clients have always said, said things similar to that. Like, um, I can't, I can't talk to my partner. That's why I'm here. Or I'm afraid to talk to them. And that's why I'm here. And you make a really good point that um, seeking a professional 
dominant or, you know, a professional kinkster will help you get that confidence um, in a sense that it's going to help you understand what's going on. Like when you're, when you're experiencing it and you're going through it, you have a much better grasp on what you like, what you don't like. You have a much better understanding of what's stirring inside of you, maybe why it's stirring inside of you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think having that comfort of accessing that part of yourself will help you then in turn, maybe have the confidence to go to your partner and say, this is how I feel. Because then you know, you now know what it is that makes you feel that way and mm-hmm. what you want. Where some people, and I get this all the time, where oh, kinky sounds great. Or, you know, I get messages all the time. I'm interested in, um, you know, a session. I'm interested in this. And I'm like, well, what exactly is it? And then there's just like this whole thing, you know, I have to go through just to pinpoint, sort of narrow it down. Mm -hmm. But if you can go to your partner already, you know, with that confidence of knowing, I think that's one of the benefits of seeking Mm -hmm. um, somebody that's in professional kink, that they can help you with that. A little bit, because then you have a better understanding of yourself, because you're already scared yeah. going to your yeah. your partner, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not professional domination, even just in, in a regular relationship where somebody wants to explore kink, you know, mm-hmm. couples, they want to, one wants to, but it has to start with, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Like, that's the yeah. biggest thing. You have to be willing yeah. to do that. And who better to be vulnerable with than your intimate partner? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of and that's that brings it back to almost the language of it, like a lot of consumers or like fans or clients coming to professionals, I feel like they don't have the vocabulary almost to articulate those needs. And that's Mm -hmm. what a sex worker can often help with. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I get questions from folks from, you know, six, seven years ago that are like, well, I started out here and now I'm interested in this, but I don't know how to express it or um I have a mm-hmm. a couple that's, you know, gosh, they've been with me probably seven years. And the wife had come to me once and said, I want this, but I don't know how he's going to feel about it. And she didn't know how to express it. And I said, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't want to say because, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. that's blah, blah, blah. You know, and a lot of people feel this way when that's, you know, something they're interested. Mm-hmm. Is this how you feel? And we had a conversation that then fostered her to have the dialogue to then go talk to him about it. And if she didn't have that, that conversation probably would have shut down because she wouldn't have been able to express herself. And even if you um, don't have an in-person session, you're doing like accessing a professional kinkster online. One of the benefits is that you are going to understand dialogue. There are people that don't understand, you know, simple like the legalese type thing of yeah. of kink, you know, the language of kink. So I always encourage, like always, always, always will encourage someone to see a professional kinkster first, just for all those mm-hmm. reasons you were saying, especially the language, because it helps us, yeah. helps us to articulate our wants, you know, our wants, needs and desires. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, um, how do you, how do you advise people to, um, 
to deal with conflicting desires because, yeah. you know, you can express to somebody, you could figure out all the language to express to somebody what it is that you need, but they may not be able to like provide that for you. So how do you help like couples navigate that? Or how would you suggest that people navigate that? It's a great question. I, if you can, um, I'm, all, I'm a big proponent of finding your local kink community. Mm-hmm. Because that happens so often where one partner is into this and the other partner isn't. And that partner just can't fulfill. Like I have a submissive. Um, There are parts of him I I can't fulfill whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, so we took active steps towards finding those things. And how we did it was actually going in person and going to certain events and play parties Mm -hmm. that were specific to that. So if that's Mm -hmm. going on with a couple, um, one of the benefits of Fifty Shades is that local communities have grown. So just about anywhere you're Mm -hmm. at, you can find a local community. So I always suggest talking to your partner and getting out to your local community. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to have all sorts of advice. You're going to you're going to see things that maybe you're like, oh, OK, that's what my partner wants. Oh, that's not yeah. so bad. Maybe yeah, I can yeah. do that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because seeing it online or seeing it in porn and then seeing it in real life with real kinksters who are doing it because they absolutely love and enjoy it and yeah. they have a good dynamic with their partner. Um, so yeah, I always recommend if you can get out to your local kink community because they're going to carry you and help you. Um, yeah, like support, yeah. in any way, in any way you need, they're going to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have that problem a lot because there's always one partner that maybe is interested in something. And the other partner's like, like me, like, I don't even know if I can deliver that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a great question. Cause I'm sure so many people listening are wondering that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's a matter of like, um, being open enough to tell your partner, but then there's also the matter of like going to figure out like, okay, so maybe you can't do that. Like, how Mm -hmm. do we navigate that, you know, and how do we, um, meet, meet that need in another way or like I also, or compromise and get something different or like recognize that, you know, maybe not all of our wants or needs need to be fulfilled in that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. By that person or, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, so I think, um, yeah, that's all, that's all really interesting. Is there anything That's a really good point. Oh, I just want to say that's a really good point about not everything has to be fulfilled Mm -hmm. because you know, we have aspects of ourselves that are perfectly okay just resting in the fantasy and staying in the Mm -hmm. fantasy. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. Like not everything has to be fulfilled. You know, of course you can have a bucket list, but I see that a lot of times (laughs) like castration, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're a female dominant, professional female dominant, you're going to get a few, you know, a few of these a year where somebody's you know, asking about mm-hmm. castration. I even had somebody approach me in person at Exotica once and uh, asking me, uh, will you castrate me? <laughs> that's purely fantasy. Like that's never, yeah. nobody's, yeah. you know, okay, sure, maybe. But that is something that's purely fantasy that's going to stay fantasy that's not really um, yeah. 
going to happen mm-hmm. in real life. And that's okay to have those things. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, mm-hmm. I have fantasies too that I'm never actually going to fulfill them because probably they're not going to live up to what I got in my head. And that's yeah. the yeah, case, right. you know. A lot of kinksters don't understand that, that it's okay for you not to fulfill those fantasies. I love that you made yeah. that that point. I love yeah. that. I mean, I just think like in my relationship, I remember that's like something that I had to learn because I feel like as somebody who's like socialized female, like I want to provide like everything, even fulfill every need, fulfill every need, even if there are things I don't want to do. And I don't even mean just like sexually, but just like in general, you yeah. know, and one of the things that like earlier in my marriage, I remember my partner saying is I would be like, well, I'm not comfortable with that. But like, I don't want to tell you like not to do that and feeling like this kind of conflict about like these conflicting desires and hearing them say like, but I don't have to have everything I want, you know, (laughs) like we don't get to have every single thing that we want. So like, you don't have to be this conflicted about this, you know, and just hearing that and being able to receive it was like, um, actually hard for me. And I had to step up and be like, wait, actually like that's sincere. Like I don't actually have to like, okay. And green light every single thing because that's you're in a marriage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like saying yes and like giving somebody the opportunity to say yes, I think is really lovely. And also like giving somebody the opportunity to say no is can also be like an act of love. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I've actually had the same experience with fans about the castration thing that you brought up. Like I had a fan actually Mm -hmm. call me like on the phone, found my real number and called me and was discussing this. And I didn't know how really even to navigate that. Cause I'm like, is this someone who's thinking about doing this to themselves? Like, should I be calling someone? Like, I don't know even how to navigate that. Um, and they were telling like things cause I didn't want to let them off the phone either. Cause I didn't know yeah. what the circumstance was. Yeah. Um, so he had told me he had found someone, if I wouldn't do it, he had found someone on the internet who was willing to do it and they were charging him money and all this. And I'm like, well, this person's probably just trying to take your money. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that maybe you should discuss this with someone who's more qualified mm-hmm. and like, do you have someone to talk to? And he said he does. And he's, he has someone that he can reach out to. I'm like, I think you should probably call them. Yeah. And so like, I kind of did. <laughs> what the best I could think to do but yeah those those situations even on a sex worker are scary because it's not like we're provided this toolkit to navigate those conversations Mm -hmm. either and like some things people come to you for you're just unqualified to deal with or to discuss like I we're also not everything to all people yeah and you know um like that there's this like shock kink thing that they do and it's, you know, mostly cis men are the culprits of this where um, they just want your attention so badly. They just want it so badly. So they're going to say something so shocking. Yeah. And then there are, there are folks that do this to make mm-hmm. you feel uncomfortable. So they'll do it simply to get your attention. They'll do it. Yeah. Um, to make you to, to make you feel uncomfortable and make you like oh my goodness oh my goodness and oftentimes in time you learn that it's all fucking bullshit like they're they're not actually mm-hmm. they're talking strictly fantasy they're not actually going to fulfill it and then there's all these other motives behind it yeah. and it's usually for your attention for shock value to make you feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. to make you go, oh my gosh, how can I get you help? You need and to mm-hmm. get sympathy, like for 
attention. Like the root of almost everything that they do is for attention. Mm-hmm. And that, as you were telling the story, I was thinking, oh, yeah, he was milking that attention. And he was probably relishing and probably enjoying that you were uncomfortable. Um, and a lot of, you know, newer doms, these are just sort of stepping stones that they have to go through and learn. I mean, we could do a whole show on, you know, being mm-hmm. a newer a newer dom. But um, that's what I was thinking when you were saying that, telling that story. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he was getting a lot of fulfillment out of that. And it, none of it was true. Not one bit of that. I know not one bit of yeah. that is true. But you're a good person. And sometimes they'll take advantage of that. It's, you know, I call it shock mm-hmm. kink. I know other um, people mm-hmm. have different names for it. But I'm curious, after that conversation, did he ever come back around again? Uh, I don't know whatever happened to him. I never heard from him again. I don't know what fan he was. It was very anonymous to me. I have no idea what happened. Yeah. Where can people find you and your your work? And yeah. I'm very easy to, to find. You can just Google Mistress Kai and you'll see my Twitter and my Instagram. I just started a blog, which I wish I was able to give it more attention at the moment, but I'm going to be dumping all kinds of things onto that. You can also find me... Um, See to your pants podcast exclusively at why not radio so yeah if you need to reach out you can just and i'm also you know i'm not participating this year but hopefully next year going back to exotica but just google me mistress kai i'm pretty easy to find mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you so much it was really nice talking to you yes this was wonderful bye guys This episode of On the Horizon is sponsored by DMCA Force. DMCA Force is the authorized DMC agent for the largest online creators and the platforms that they monetize. DMCA Force protects models, musicians, writers, videographers, artists, and tons of other creatives publishing their works online. With DMCA Force, you get 24-7 automated monitoring, flagging, and removal of stolen and pirated content. They use metadata and keywords relating to your work in collaboration with search engines to remove even the 10 to 15% of content on ghost sites that can't typically be scrubbed from the internet. They even offer the ability to fingerprint content and digitally watermark it as an added layer of security to protect the art you work so hard creating. Join DMCA Force today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber of On the Horizon, which unlocks two bonus episodes on the 8th and 22nd of each month with tons of extra exclusive footage from ourselves and our guests.